Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I want to turn your attention today to the book of James chapter 1. And we're just going to read a couple of verses here and you can remain seated if you would like. Sister Amanda, thank you very, very much for a tremendous word of the Lord today. And uh, when, when, when uh, we have prayer in, in the office, and uh, in my office in the mornings, and those uh, are invited to come back there when they're, when they're speaking, we'd like for them to. And, and I just felt the anointing of the Lord on her when she walked in uh, my office this morning and believed that God is just going to touch her and strengthen her, and he certainly did. I appreciate Amen. We, did, we had more than milk toast this morning. Amen. More than milk toast. The book of James chapter 1 and verse number 23, the Bible says, For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. There's just been something in my heart for a long, long time, not even to measure that in weeks or months, but something in my heart a long, long time. And and I may have some overlapping comments here this morning, but I, I see in our world today a prevalent spirit of deception a prevalent spirit of deception and uh, it is in every facet of our world it truly is and uh, the Bible talks about a day when evil would be called good and good would be called evil and when people would stand and uh, they are defending evil in the streets, this is not something happening. It may be born in private meetings and smoke-filled rooms, so to speak, but it is being announced and promoted uh, very, very publicly. And, and uh, if we think that the spirit of deception is only operative in the world or outside of the church doors or the realm of the church, then we are woefully ourselves misinformed. And I want to talk about the danger of deception today and and, and I, I guess I could, I could just preach this whole sermon with one statement. But um, uh, unfortunately, I don't feel to do that. <laughs> but uh, the problem, with that one statement would be this. The problem with being deceived is that you're deceived. That's the problem. Is that deception, the problem with deception is that you are deceived. So that's why we must be very careful that we maintain an exposure to the truth of God's word, the validity of God's word, the absoluteness of God's word. Now, the absoluteness of God's word, because it is revealing, can be offensive. It can cut very, very, very close. Amen. When, when, I, when I go to the doctor for a checkup 
and uh, I, I am pretty well I have gone to the same doctor for many many years and so I know a lot of the staff that's there and and even though I consider them to be friends and and um, we sort of know one another on a first name basis when you step on the scale and they keep nudging that thing this way I'm, I'm just kind of look at them sometimes and say really I mean, you know, you don't just have to keep tapping. And I mean, we, we, got, we got generally the general idea here. But you see, you're there for absoluteness, for exactness. And uh, while they, their intention is not to offend you, but if I could just say, it is what it is. And so when the doctor starts flipping through the chart and he's seeing it is what it is because he's trying to look out for our betterment, They just call it like it is. And so the word of God can be very revealing and that revelation aspect of the word of God can be offensive. It can crop very close to where we live and so we can can get mad and take our ball and go home or we can say, hey Lord, I need to do something about this. I need to hold myself accountable now. The emphasis in this particular section is on the dangers of self-deception, deceiving ourselves. And so... Um, you know, if a person sins, or if, if a person sins because Satan has deceived them, that's, that's one thing. But if I deceive myself, if I set myself in a position to deceive myself, then that's a far more serious matter. Many, many times people convince themselves, they deceive themselves, if I may just be blunt. They deceive themselves into thinking that they're okay with God when they know in their heart of hearts that they are not. Now the danger here is that when you think you're okay, when you are pretending that you're okay with God, when you know that you're not okay with God, you run the risk of one day convincing yourself that you're okay with God. We've, we've heard it said of, of people that, um, that they have, we've heard it said of some people that have a real hard time with the truth that they've lied so much they don't know what is truth. And after a while, it's just it's so convoluted until they don't even know themselves. I really believe that there's a level people can reach where they're not really trying to, to lie as much as they have just convinced themselves because they have been so immersed in something that's wrong. And so I think a real mark of maturity is when a person can face honestly. They can face the things in their life and then admit, you know, I just need the Lord to touch me. I really have got to have the hand of God. And so in our text, James stated that, that we have three responsibilities in this little segment of Scripture, at least, toward the Word of God. And so if we fulfill these responsibilities, then we will have an, an, an honest walk with God before others. And that is really what we, we need to do. And so in the, in the first chapter of James, uh, the Bible teaches us that we should receive the Word. We should receive the Word. James talks about being swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. We all have friends perhaps that are on polar opposites of these equations. We all have friends that before we can even before we can even pose our situation, they have a ready answer. The last word of your plight has not even left your lips before they already have it signed, sealed and delivered. They can tell you right then and there what to do. That aspect of some people really scares me to no end. And then we have those also the opposite end of that, those friends who are going to listen and they're going to take that in and they're going to consider that. 
They are swift to hear, but they are slow to speak. They're going to think that out. I feel much more comfortable in that environment where something flows through their heart and their mind for a little while. It has the chance to just flow around in their spirit. Amen. I want to be, I want to be that person. I want to lean toward that. I want to receive that with meekness, the Bible says, the engrafted word because it is able to save our soul. So I want to receive that word. He uses the word, James uses rather the phrase, the engrafted word. That's not accidentally. That means the implanted word. And so I need to receive that implanted word. So if we think about the implanted word, and then we allow our minds to go to the parable of the sower, which is a tremendous, tremendous parable, and it is so fitting, and it will feed you on many, many levels. But Jesus compares the word to the seed, and he compares the human heart to the soil. And so Jesus describes four kinds of hearts, or four kinds of, of soil, if you please. He talks about the hard heart. The hard heart did not receive or understand the word of God because they didn't understand it. They didn't receive it. And because of that, in the end, they bore no fruit. Then he talks about the shallow heart. Now, here's the real danger. All of these are dangerous, actually, when we're talking about those that bear no fruit, at least. The shallow heart. The shallow heart, very emotional. Amen. They just receive, very readily receive the word of God and, and they just move with the spirit of God, but they have no depth I've watched people, very emotional, very emotional people, and I'm not against, I'm an, I'm an emotional person. But you, we gotta have emotion with depth. Amen, we can't just have a shallow heart. And just some people are very, very uh, prone to be moved by the Spirit of the Lord. Very prone to be, very susceptible. They're sensitive to the Spirit of God. They could just walk down, maybe not be in church for five years and just walk down and the Spirit of the Lord begin to move and, and they could just begin to pray and, and the Spirit of the Lord move upon their heart. But because they have a shallow heart, they may not even be back the next service. Amen. And because they have no depth, because of that, the, the fruit, the seed can't grow and ultimately there's no fruit. And then there are those with a crowded heart. I mean, those that just have so much going on, they heard the word, they enjoyed the word, but there's just so many other things going on in their life until the Bible says that the cares of this world choke out the word. There's just not anything left, so many other things. Church is just part of what they do. It's not what they do. It's just woven into a little bit of who they are. I believe that we shouldn't try to uh, we shouldn't try to wrap church around our life. We should try to wrap our life around church. Amen. We shouldn't just come when it's convenient, be here if it fits, worship if we feel like it. But I believe that we ought to make an intentional, conscientious effort to be in every regular scheduled service every time we possibly can. And when we get here, we're not just going to be a hunk of flesh sitting down, but we're going to walk in and we're going to be appraisers. We are going to be choir members. We're going to let the Spirit of God move in our life. I don't want to be so crowded in my life that there's not room for God. And then ultimately, he talks about the fruitful heart. That's the person we're striving to be. Receive the word of God. Let that word take root in our lives. And ultimately, that word will produce a harvest. The final test of salvation, hear me today, is not how well we can clap on time, what we look like, how we act in, in, in public. Amen. What's really, really the final test of salvation is fruit. It's fruit. Amen. That means a changed life. 
It means Christian character. It means Christian conduct. It means ministry to others. It means putting others ahead of ourselves. The real fruit, the cool thing about real fruit is that real fruit has seed in it for more fruit. And so once you bear a little bit of fruit, you just keep bearing more and more fruit. And so the harvest continues to grow. The soil is stirred. The lives are changed and the harvest is planted again for another generation, for another, another, uh, another demographic to receive the presence and the power of God. But the word of God cannot and it will not work in our life unless we receive it the right way. That's why Jesus said in Mark 24, he said we ought to take heed what you hear. Be very, very careful what you lend your ear to. He also said take heed how you hear. Amen. In in the book of Luke, we need to be careful what we hear and we need to be careful how we hear. Amen. Too many people are in a tragic condition. Amen. Because the Bible talks about in Matthew 18, in hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. There's a lot of noise going on, but they really didn't get anything in their heart. And so I need to be careful how I hear. They attend church services, but they never seem to grow spiritually. It's because in hearing, they hear not. The seed is going forth, but they're not pulling that into their lives. We must be intentional if we're gonna get something from the Lord, amen. And then when we hear the word of the Lord come forth, whether that is in teaching or in preaching or in private study and reading the word of the Lord, then I've got to, I according to the word of God, I've got to obey the word of God. I've got to rise and do something about that. I can't just say, oh, well, I wanna try to unhear that or unsee that, but I become responsible for that. James talks about being swift to hear, Matthew 3. Three and nine says, "If we have a he, if we have an ear, let him hear." Romans ten seventeen says that faith is going to come to us by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, if you need more faith, then we need to open ourselves to the more of the word of God and to hear that word of God and let it get in our heart, and that increases our faith. In Second Samuel twenty three, there's a great illustration of this truth in the life of King David. David, while hiding from the Philistines who were in possession of Bethlehem at the time, he desired a drink of the cool water, amen, of the well of Bethlehem. Now, I, I, I did mention this, I think, recently in a, in a message, and I'm sure you remember that in every, every detail. But I did mention that David said that, uh, that he just uttered the words. It was, it was almost just a tad more than a thought. He just whispered the word, oh, that one would give me drink from the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. I think we have to be clear to understand that David did not order his men to go get that water. It was just a conscious thought. Amen. And the Bible says that three of his mighty men heard that and they risked their lives to bring that water to David. Amen. They risked their, literally, they risked their very lives to bring that water to David. And here's why. Because they were swift to hear. They just overheard. They just, they just overheard someone mention that. Someone they loved mentioned that water. And they said, it is up to us to get that. And I believe, I heard this said years 
years ago, and I didn't really understand it at first, and, but, I, I, but it, it was just something that I wanted to hold on to, and I do understand it today. But I heard a preacher get up one night, and they said, you have the responsibility, speaking to the congregation, he said, you have the responsibility to hear the word of the Lord tonight, whether I say it or not. I was like, wow. <laughs> I just had to let that process a little bit, and then I got it. Because there's a lot of things that can happen in the course of a service because I'm just a vessel. I'm just a, I'm, I'm just a clay vessel that is used of God. I'm called upon to speak here in this particular service. But something the Lord is wanting to speak to this congregation will be spoken. I might get distracted in just a moment. Something may happen to cause me lose, to lose my train of thought. But I believe that we need to be so intent to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. I'm not talking about making up your own message. Message. That's not what I'm talking about. But just hear what thus saith the Lord. David said, oh, that I, he just sighed. Oh, that I had some well from Bethlehem, some water from Bethlehem's well, which is by the gate. And three of those men said, I'm on my way. And they risk it all to get there. We must be, according to verse 19, slow to wrath. Proverbs 14 and 29. He said, he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Or in other words, he that is slow of wrath is a man or a woman of understanding, but he that is hasty in their spirit is gonna make a fool of themselves. I wanna process it. I wanna hear the word of God. I wanna be slow to jump off the deep end. You see, it's temper. That's what gives strength to steal. It's temper. That's what gives strength and validity to things. Amen. It's temper that also gives us strength. So whatever you do, don't lose it. Not even for just a moment because that's what we're going to have to have to give us strength. The Bible talks about a prepared heart in verse 21. James portrays the human heart as a garden left to itself. The soil would produce only weeds. And so he urged us to prepare our heart for the implanted word of God. Amen. I understand. I, I, as a matter of fact, in one of the sessions this week it was dealt with, I understand how that many times the ministry ministers are going to be those that are teaching, whether that's Sunday school teachers or whatever it may be, those that are ministering in our main service, they're going to be studying and praying and they've had a lot of time to think about that. Sister Amanda talked about her study time for today's lesson. And so she wasn't wondering what to do when she stepped to the behind the pulpit today. She knew where she was going. But you know what? Let's just admit it. The rest of us didn't. We didn't study 12 hours. We didn't pray four hours. We didn't read this over and flow it through our heart and our mind. And so we come in with all kind of things on our heart, all, all kind of things on our mind rather, and all sort of things in our heart. And that's why it's so important that before we walk into and enter into a service that we spend some time in prayer and say, God, I want you to help me. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I know how it is. Sometimes you just ran in. You just barely got here on time. It just seemed like so many things were pushing against us. But the, you see the word of God, a living seed is going to go forth. Help me to prepare my heart. Help me to prepare 
prepare my mind because I want the seed to take root. Amen. We prepare the soil of our heart by asking God to help us, confessing our sins, asking the Lord to forgive us, asking God to help me to meditate upon his word and let that word find a place in my heart. An attitude of meekness, James talks about in the 21st verse, when we receive the word with meekness, we accept it. Amen. When we receive it with meekness, we're not arguing against it. We're not demanding our own way. When we receive the word of God with meekness, we're honoring the word of God. Amen. So speak, Lord. Just speak to us. My second responsibility is to practice the word of God. I can't just hear it, but I got to do it. I can't just hear it with my ear. I got to live it with my life. Many people have a mistaken idea that if we hear a good sermon or we hear a good Bible lesson, that that's just going to make us grow and the blessings of God are going to start sprouting arbitrarily in our life. But you see, it's not hearing the word of God that brings the blessing but it's doing the word of God. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do something about what I heard. Amen. Too many people mark their Bibles when man said, but their Bibles don't mark them. We need the word of God to mark our lives, to leave a notation. I've got to work on this. I've got to take time to prepare myself for this. In the previous paragraph, James compared the, the word to the seed. But in this writing, he, he, and now we are looking at the scriptures of our text where he compared the word of God to a mirror. He first talks about it as a seed and now a mirror. Amen. There, there are other references in the Bible to God's word being a mirror. And so when we put all that together, we discover a few more ministries of the word of God as a mirror. A mirror, of course, I think primarily would be used for examination. In James 1 and 23 part of our text this morning if we hear the if we be a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man beholding his face in a natural glass for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was now i believe the main purpose certainly in a utilitarian fashion of course some miracles mirrors are very ornate very decorative and and so that's one thing but I believe the primary purpose of a mirror is to is to be able to examine to be able to look amen and so we are able to see ourselves we're as able we're able to see ourselves clearly and so that is how the word of God is as we look in the word of God we should be able to see who we really are I don't want you to stand and jump up and raise your hands right now but how many of us have ever seen a picture of ourselves and we're going <laughs> wow <laughs> not long ago somebody we were getting pictures made and, and, and somebody in the group kept handing the camera back and said no take it again we had our eyes closed or take it again we had this take it again you see it is what it is you're struggling with what's in front of the lens. That's what's going on. We're struggling with what's in front of the lens. And so the Bible just kind of comes down. It's all revealing and gives us an opportunity to examine ourselves. And so as we look in the mirror of God's word, we see things as they really are. James mentioned several mistakes that people make when we look into the mirror of God's word. Sometimes we can just glance at ourselves. And, and in a glance, you don't see everything. Uh, just a couple of Sundays ago, uh, of course, 
like your, our home, like your home. We have mirrors in our home. And so uh, my wife had already left for church and I came in and, and I, I was finishing up everything. And so I looked in the mirror before I walked out of the door and everything looked fine to me. But you see, I was running a little close on time and I wound up not realizing that I had just glanced in the mirror. And some of you are anxiously awaiting to find out what all I missed. Amen. But I'll just tell you that I'm thankful for good friends. Amen. For good friends. That when I walked in the building, I just what re- felt them reach up and pull my collar down. And so I felt like everything was all right because I just took a glance. But somebody that could see from a different angle said, hey, you missed one whole thing right here that's probably going to be important before this thing is said and done. And so if we're not careful, just glancing at the word of God. I'm thankful for the sincere people of, of, of our church and the sincere people all across our fellowship that may have a habit of reading the word of God. Maybe you read a chapter a day or a few chapters a day. But I'm going to tell you, it's only that's only an exercise in a, in a religious practice if you don't allow that word to get in your heart. The bread program will do you very, very little good if it's just a checkpoint in your life. You're just trying to move that out of the way. Amen. I need to ask the Lord to help me. I need to ask God to let that word soak in my heart. As a matter of fact, I wanted to be a little more intentional in this in this calendar year. I've had a reading regiment for several years, but you know, I've said, Lord, this year I want to slow down just a little bit. I want the word of God to get in my heart. I want to leave myself a little room in my schedule because I want you to be able to speak to me. Amen. If we're not careful, just a glance in the mirror and we will forget what we see because we're not looking deep enough into our heart. Amen. If we look deep in our heart, then we're going to see what God is trying to reveal. When we go to a special service, a conference or a camp meeting, we can get stirred. Let's just be honest. We've all been there and then you just soon forget. It's back to Monday. It's just back to the job, back to the grind, back to the norm but you see it that was a glancing of view of our life and that's why we need to let the spirit of God really shine I don't want a quick glimpse amen preacher don't run too fast through this but let the word of God get in my heart amen I need to examine my own heart I need to examine my life and that requires time that requires attention that requires sincere devotion five minutes with God every day is not going to develop a deep spiritual experience with God. I've got to see myself. I've got to remember what it was that I saw. Amen. I've got to let God do the work. I must let God do the work. Anybody here ever had a magnifying mirror? I think more than admitting it have had a magnifying mirror. My wife has one and, and we've had various ones through the years and the current one she has the bulb is lighted and the bulb is blown and so we were in bed bath and beyond the other day and and they've really improved things since the last time we bought one of those and so we were shopping for those things and you walk by there and you're going <laughs> wow 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 I just couldn't help but to think about that this morning as I was reading through this passage of scripture because that's what the word of God does sometimes the more intense the word is preached and taught. It's just like somebody just keeps turning up the magnification more and more and more. A while ago when it was just a regular mirror, that seemed all right. But now we're up close and personal. We're, we're really seeing some things that need to be dealt with. And, and I'm going to tell you that's why we need the Spirit of God to touch our heart. Don't ever let church just be something that you arrive.
arrive at with going home on your mind. Amen. Don't hear, don't get here going home. We need to walk in and say, Lord, you just turn this up as bright as you need to turn it because I need to be changed by the power of your word. James called the word of God the perfect law of liberty because when we obey it, it sets us free. When we listen to it, when we acquiesce our will to his will, it sets us free. Amen. I'm thankful for the restorative nature of the word of God. When he built the tabernacle, Moses Moses took the metal looking glasses. If you read in the book of Exodus, you'll find this, that Moses took the metal uh, looking glasses. That's what we would refer to as a mirror today. And from that, he made the laver. The laver was a huge basin in the tabernacle that stood between the brazen altar of sacrifice and the holy place. The basin was filled with water and the priests there would wash their hands and their feet at the laver before they entered into the holies of holy to minister. Water for the washing is a tremendous picture of the word of God and its cleansing power because when we first receive the Holy Ghost, we are washed clean. My goodness, there's nothing like that feeling. But you see, as we walk in this world every day and as we are exposed to all the things that are going on in the world every day, we pick up a little bit of it here and a little bit of it there, whether we're conscious of it or not, but something's getting off on us and that's why we need to get back into the spirit of God the presence of God, the word of God and let his word be a mirror and show me those areas that I need to be cleansed in again. I need need to wash again. It helps me to clean up and let the spirit of God have his his way in my life. I need to meditate on the word of God. I'm not trying to just go on and on about this but but we we are living in a world in a time where we are so accustomed to everything moving at warp speed. And that gets in us. Yes, it does. If we pull into a drive-through and there's more than three cars, we have to seriously think about. It don't matter how hungry we are. I got to seriously think about whether I'm going to put up with this or not. I don't know if I got time for all this. And we all, we all love that famous request when we have placed our order, paid for the order, and we pull up to the receiving window and they say, could you pull over there in that lane? Just There goes the rest of my week. I'll never get back on track because, I mean, I've got it planned. We've just got it micromanaged out to the second. I'm never going to be able to recover from this. And we just sit there wondering what we're going to do with all this time on our hands. We we are there. We are there. Some of us in this house remember when the internet first came out. It was over phone lines and you had to dial in through a modem. And it may or may not connect. And I can remember my older brother who just has always been on the cusp of technology. He He just loves technology and and I can remember when he was talking about cable modem and, and he was trying to explain it to me. He said, well, basically, you're just always online. And I'm, I just couldn't get that. How could you always be online? And now I couldn't get, if I had to hear that tone right now, <laughs> you know, you can down those, those little sound bites, kind of take you back in time. You're going, oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Because who has that kind of time? And that bleeds over into our life when we open the Word of God. Over and over and over, the Scripture says, meditate, 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 meditate. Amen. I want the Lord to touch me. And then finally, we are talking about what the power of God can do His Word in transforming us. Because you see, the Lord really does want us to change. He really does. And so to people who are preaching that you can just shake a preacher's hand and you can just sign your name on a roll and you don't have to do any changing at all, you are so robbing people because the Word of God mandates change. We must be changed. There's nothing pure and clean and holy about us. We must be changed. And so if we are going to confess our sins then we should certainly give place in our life to grow spiritually and conquer and, and, and to overcome some of those things. I'm, I'm preaching to, I'm, I know my audience today. I'm preaching to people that have, that have history and, and you know what it was like to struggle with a few things in your earlier years with God. And, and incrementally God gave you victory over some of those things. And you wouldn't want to go back there for nothing in the world because... You've gotten your hand upon that and, and, and it's taken root and the Spirit of God has helped you. As our musicians come, I'm, I'm going to ask us to consider finally what, what James says about pure religion. And he said he calls it in verse 27, undefiled before God. And he said this is what pure religion is. He said it is to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Pure religion. To rise above, to fly higher than, to let the Spirit of God touch us to where the world around us can truly see a marked difference, a marked difference. You know, I, I understand that it can possibly be an excuse for some, possibly. But probably one of very common, I mean to say the most common, but one very common thing when people are talking to me about defending their lot living for God, they often say, I'm just disillusioned with people who act one way on Sunday and a completely different way on Monday. I understand that could be an excuse, but I also understand there's some validity to that. That we can act all religious around one another, but you see... It's what we do when we walk out of this building. There's the real world, the real world. You know, my goodness, Thursday and Friday, Friday night, the campground, the tabernacle, just hundreds and hundreds of people and the music and the singing and the preaching, everything's just top tier. My, who couldn't survive there? Amen. A Bible lesson this morning, second to none. Music and singing, second to none in this service today. Who couldn't survive in that? But you see, it's what we do when we stand in just a few moments. We turn out the lights and we walk away. It's when the world then can really start reading the Bible called us. And we are not just in church, but we're being the church. 
I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to close with these remarks. In verse 26, James talks about speech. Talks about the tongue as a revealer of the heart. And you know what? If your heart is right, your speech will be right. You know, a very conflicting and convicting passage of Scripture talks about from the abundance of the heart things flowing out of us. When something comes out that shouldn't be there, you need to realize that was the source, the heart. That means I got some work to do. You know, I know we're all guilty. I know we've all been guilty. I've said things when they the words were right there, if I could have just grabbed them. If I could have just shaken them into some eternal place that but it's said it's there that's our speech and it gives us away after we've seen ourselves in the mirror of the word of God James talks about when you see someone in need what are you going to do with that are you going to close your eyes and pretend you didn't see it or are we going to rise it causes us to look at ourselves differently when we stand in the presence of God and see others differently. You see, Isaiah 6, if you read the first eight verses of Isaiah 6, you read about this powerful presence of the Lord fully described. Wow, what a tremendous passage. And then Isaiah, as he begins, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And then as you continue to read, he saw himself. But keep reading, and then he saw others. And so there's just something about the Word of God and the presence of God that helps us see our see the Lord, helps us see ourselves, and then it helps us to see others. And I will tell you today that irrespective of what some may say, that Satan, the prince of this world, would like to convince us that a message of separation is an outdated message and is no longer relevant for our age but can I tell you that hell is wrong and heaven is right and his word is right God has always God has always had a separate people always his people have never walked like others walked and talked like others talked and lived like others lived and I'm going to tell you if God will give me breath and strength as long as I stand behind this pulpit, that's the message I'm preaching. Amen. We must come out. We must be separate. Thus saith the Lord. I'm going to teach that and I'm going to preach. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.